0: Da, 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 da. You sound insane. Do you realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy!
1: Seriously? it's, it's showtime. So, welcome to another throwback edition of the Bad About Movies podcast in anticipation of this weekend's premiere of the remake of The Magnificent Seven. And in honor of that, we are discussing at length. The 1998 CBS series, Mm -hmm. Magnificent Seven, starring Ron Perlman. The original,
2: as far as I'm concerned.
1: So buckle up, strap yourselves in, two hours of episode by episode breakdown and analysis. Short-lived, but uh, still great. Magnificent Seven.
3: Number one in our hearts.
1: Number one in our hearts, still. I mean, I I still go to (laughs) weekly fan club meetings. Just Mag Seven, just, just, the just exclusively yeah, uh, yeah. Mag Seven TV show fan uh, fan club. Michael Bean as well. You do You kind of buried the lead there, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Man. Uh, yeah. it was fun for me to remember that on this last watch of the 1960 <laughs> classic, The Magnificent Seven, and um, it was fun rewatch, and it'll be fun to discuss that a little bit later. But the majority. Of tonight, we'll be discussing television in some capacity. And uh, big time of year for TV, not only because of the anticipation level rising for our Rants and Raves 2016 TV Pilots episode, (laughs) which will be premiering in the next few weeks, so keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. (laughs) Not if
2: I have anything to do about it. They have to murder you, (laughs) too. Still
1: haven't watched any of them, so... I have a lot of anger building, and i I still haven't watched
2: last past years. I don't yeah, know. I know. Um, no, I, ha- I, I do this to myself. I don't know why. Brian shames me into watching all these shows. I
1: mean,
2: <laughs> still I not. Over- you guys to suffer along with me. There's nothing I could do to you that would make up for Misfits so of War.
1: There is. Brian, like, keeps up I, with them, too. It's funny.
2: I know. Like, three months later, he'll be like, well, it got better. I
1: mean, it's still terrible. It's like... <laughs> Brian, like, how's t- how's red band society right now? <laughs> like, like what? Well, the arc isn't really like. I mean, it was it was better in the first few. Like, <laughs> I give you credit. You guys are, you are my
3: should, Horribly over exaggerating how much I how long I stick with these terrible shows. Should have been a
2: miniseries. I mean, twenty two episodes is way too many. But maybe just like a TV movie. Something oh like well, that. I just love waiting to die, so I just keep <laughs> watching it. <laughs>
1: Has anybody been watching this John Benet series? No, no, I haven't either. I, uh, I've heard fas- of- I'm fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by our fascination over the past two years with just murders, famous murders. We're just like murder crazy in America right now for some we, reason. We, Maybe it-
2: we wait. Yeah. We wait for everything to get like historical enough to where we don't feel the pain of like really thinking about the fact that a child is dead, and then we just all make it pop culture.
0: Yeah, right. It's
2: like the OJ thing is like it's adorable until you remember, um, like someone's <laughs> head was chopped off. It's a couple of people's, right. right? Yeah, and that's how the right. job. is
3: too very gruesome murder. Yeah, murder. but that good stuff can't for do the enemies though.
2: Pretty funny. <laughs> I yeah. loved how Kimmel. This is a good segue here. Too. Kimmel just kept bringing up the fact that it was about it like congratulating OJ every time it would win and that was so understated and so funny
3: Travolta not a fan of the joke not that he understands any joke but his his reaction <laughs> pretty great just like no I, I was not I would not thank OJ Simpson for this he is a murderer he, well but tra- that, 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 that that's the joke John <laughs> like that's that's what I'm trying okay all right but to
2: be fair on. John Travolta is not a fan of Jerry Kimmel. so <laughs>
1: right <laughs> hey he um this is gonna be fun because i have no idea who won any other categories <laughs> and i didn't watch the show so what we're gonna do here is brian i want you to pull up the list All of right. the winners and we're gonna go through of course the big categories of the emmys this year the primetime mm-hmm. emmys and uh i guess i want to try to guess who won and then we'll reveal who won and then. Richard, you can interject with humorous comments. So.
2: <laughs> no promise. This first.
1: Yeah. Interject uh, at your will with uh, humorous comments. All right, Brian, do you have the list of the Emmy Awards? And I'm excited mm. for this because. i are doing I, actually, Denver, I do know...
2: Denver local Emmys, right? Just the local <laughs> right. Emmys of the yeah. Denver area.
3: <laughs> the public access. I told you, Emmys. you Reno, not Denver. When oh, decided, gosh. Yeah. I'm sorry. biggest little city in america right it
1: is a big little city yeah you got to give it credit for that um all right so i will say i do know that courtney b vance won because i've heard part of his speech or seen it on twitter so i will get that out in the open i do know that one all right but the rest okay i I literally have no idea so go ahead
3: all right here we go lead actor in a drama kyle chandler Remy malik bob odenkirk matthew reese adorable he is uh, Lee Schreiber and Kevin Spacey.
1: I'm going to go Two with one. Bob Odenkirk, Brian.
3: And you would be wrong. Okay. Rami Malek, Mr. Robot. Oh, okay. Time.
1: That makes sense. He's stepping big up show.
3: I can't complain about that. Although that's yeah. a pretty stacked category, right? Like Matthew Reese is incredible. Bob Odenkirk is the goat. So Kyle Chandler is one of my favorites of all time. That's a tough category. I wouldn't have tough thought category.
1: Matthew Reese would get it because obvious, but, uh, Bob Odenkirk's right. always the underdog. I feel like a lot of people in Hollywood want to see him win, so maybe yeah. more people would vote for him. Uh, Rami malik it's his time. You can't argue that. So, yeah. congrats to him. I kind of
3: fear, as an Odenkirk P1, I kind of fear that he is going to perpetually get second place on these awards. Like, last year he was incredible, but it was John Hamm. Okay, cool. Yeah, like, but let's give Odenkirk every Emmy for the rest of the decade, okay? Yeah, but Remy Malik, like, like Mr. Robot was a huge hit, kind of came out of nowhere. We we probably, probably need to let him have his time. I, oh, okay, that's fine. And then next year, it's just going to be something else and then something well, else. Maybe like, in the
2: last year of Better Call Saul, it'll be his. That's like right. the annoying thing about the Emmys is it's mm-hmm. like yeah. you either win it in the first year, you know, if it's uh, Jane the Virgin or, or that was Golden globe. But you know what I mean? If it's like some like huge blowout hit, you win in the first year that or they make you wait until the last year of the show.
1: Sure, sure. That's pretty that's pretty true. in most cases. Right. Um, unless
3: you're Michael Scott or Amy <laughs> Right,
1: Right. Never win. Uh what is uh the next category?
3: Lead actress in a drama. Okay. Claire Danes, Homeland, uh Viola Davis, Taraji P. Henson, Tatiana Maslani, Carrie Russell, Robin Wright.
1: I will go with um I will go with Carrie Russell
3: and you would be wrong oh over two kento tatiana maslani from oh, okay in black which is kind of cool she's it's good too probably two years too yeah that season one was was, was great ago?
1: yeah i i think i faded on that show uh after middle middle Same. of season two i kind of like was out on it i kind of got what it was doing and i was like okay this is good but i've seen enough here um yeah. and well that's good that she got recognized though because
3: yes, pretty cool.
1: Maybe people were finally seeing the first season then. So hats off to them. <laughs> right, right. But she's right. great. Maybe this will lead to other things. Uh, what's Carrie the
3: Russell's Yeah. Got to get several in the future, right? Like this has to. I'm
1: glad to see her and Matthew Reese just finally get recognized. And hopefully that will lead to the last totally. two seasons of theirs being successful with the critics. Oh. Um, but what is the next
3: one? All right, you got uh, actor in a limited series correct already. Uh, I was a little surprised that he beat out Cuba Gooding Jr. there, just because I, I understand uh, Corny B. Vance is uh, probably much better, but it is that is sort of Cuba's show in a way. So I it know. is I was a little, man, but
2: Snow Dogs, bro. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> but uh, I mean. That's true. Courtney B. Vance is now, so Courtney's, good in that series. I
2: mean, he's yeah, unbelievable he's, as Johnny. I it, mean, his, by the time it ends, it's his show.
3: Cool. I've only seen the first two episodes, so what do I know? Wow. Uh, lead actress in a limited series, Kirsten Dunst, Felicity Huffman, Audra McDonald or something I'd never heard of, uh, Sarah Paulson, Lily Taylor, Carrie Washington.
1: I'll go with Sarah Paulson.
3: Ding, 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 ding.
1: She was fantastic in O.J. As as Martha Clark. Clark. I mean... And her date?
3: They're like identical.
1: Yeah. They're like identical in real life. And they talk the same. Uh, I mean, she personified her so well. And um, just hats off to that whole team on the O.J. series just for capturing every moment. Like, it looked straight out of a Polaroid, you know, the entire show. Other than the fact that David Schwimmer was playing Robert Kardashian. (laughs) That was, <laughs> that was funny,
2: but I like, Kimmel's best joke was Marsh to Marsha Clark. because She was actually there as Paulson say, "Like, is it weird to be rooting for OJ this time?" Yeah. <laughs> that that in one Courtney B Vance one That won, is a great said, joke. When Courtney B Vance won, he goes, "Oh, that's sweet." You got to think somewhere, Johnny Cochran is smiling up at us. <laughs> yep.
0: Yes.
3: Fantastic. Okay, lead actor in a comedy, Anthony Anderson. Aziz Ansari, Will Forte, William H. Macy, not a comedy. Stop putting it in a comedy. <laughs> Thomas Middleditch, and Jeffrey Tambor. Wow.
1: Stack category. I'm going to go with mm-hmm. Louis Anderson, or not, I mean, Anthony Anderson, not Louis <laughs> Anderson. Um, <laughs> I wish Louis Still Anderson. alert. alert. <laughs> okay. Life with well, Louis. Uh, just, everyone's up. just uh, <laughs> loving life with Louis right now. Just totally out of its time. Oh, um, well, you don't. Okay. You're in
2: for a. Yeah. Uh,
0: you're yeah, in for a you're surprise. In for a treat later here
3: in a, later, in a second. Uh, well, lead actor that, in a comedy went to Jeffrey no, Tambor. That,
1: oh, okay. Uh, that, wow, that's cool. That's great. But what a stat category, I was going to say. Um, Could have gone Aziz there. Could have gone Thomas Middleditch there as well for me. Sure. Um, as well. It's yeah.
2: Shameless. It's just a laugh riot. Just joke <laughs> after joke <laughs> after joke. And I love it. Ah,
1: just, love the comedy writing. These dark comedies, though. I guess a black comedy or whatever you want to call it. It's just it, it it there's no really you can't put it in drama. Why why is it even nominated to begin with? It's not it's not a good show
3: to me. Yeah, that's that's step 1. It's not a good show. <laughs> um, so, so I've never seen we I've only
2: ever seen
1: previews like, and it's
2: always like him defecating into like a <laughs> corpse bag. Yes. Like, whoa, this yes. seems hilarious.
3: <laughs> it's like the Emmys always have they always have a usually a Showtime show that they are just like, no, this is good. And everyone else says, no, this is garbage. <laughs> and they just won't let go. They had uh, Masters of they'll Sex. Don't talk, Master, they'll, yeah, Master, they had, they'll talk uh, about Homeland like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that I'm I feel like Homeland is still going to be Californication. Remember that? In 2033. Yeah, it's just yeah. going to keep on trucking. Okay, Le- lead actress in a comedy. Lead actress in a comedy. Uh, um, JLD, Ellie Kemper, Tracy Ellis Ross, Lori Metcalf, Amy Schumer and Lily Tomlin.
1: I'm going to go with JLD. Boom. For the win. Five
3: <laughs> five in a row, Kent. Five in a row. She's the
1: it's queen. Like She's the unstoppable.
3: Yeah. Gave an outstanding speech as well. Very emotional. Her dad just died. It was it was a touching moment on the stage. Very good.
1: Wow. Good for her. And uh, she hasn't missed a beat. I think her episode of SNL this past year might have been my favorite. Um, <laughs> favorite of the season besides... Probably Fred Armisen's episode, but I mean it. She, she's as relevant now as ever. It's amazing. Um, I never would have predicted that after 25 years or 20 years that she would have the most successful career of the entire Seinfeld group. Um I mean, sure. ar- Arguably Jerry, because Jerry only does stand up. He he's literally chosen to do nothing. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> B
3: movie, bro. B movie.
1: Yeah, but he's made a conscious decision to be Jerry Seinfeld and not to go. Yeah, totally. Do, and just print honest, money. Yeah, yeah. And just print money on the Seinfeld right. brand. Like his yeah. the show Porsche, was his horses. Name. aren't
2: cheap, fam. <laughs> That's
1: true. Right. not. Yeah. I mean, you gotta. How how else are you gonna buy hundred Porsches a year? I mean, <laughs> but JLD. I mean, even in the stuff she's done since the, that old Christine show as well. She was great in that. She won was great, for that, and one she one. won for that. I mean, she she hasn't missed a beat since that. And again, she hosted SNL and um, killed it. So I want to see her do more stuff. Maybe um, do more fun. I I I'm sad to hear about her dad because uh, I like to see her being fun, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but that's great that she won again, and maybe that'll lift her spirits a little bit. And Here, nobody here's can argue an argue against her, though. Nobody can yeah. argue that she is worse than anyone else in that category. You know that it's just <laughs> no, no.
3: It's just so hard. I to always. Eat. I was rooted hard for for Polar because Leslie yeah. Knope's one of my favorite characters of all time. But even when, even as a hardcore Leslie Nope fan, uh, when JLD is winning, you're just like, okay, yeah. well, there's well, just really nothing good. you can do about it. <laughs> she's yeah, she's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, here's an idea for for JLD. You said you want to see her do something different.
1: American Treasure JLD. Yeah,
3: American say. Treasure JLD. What if uh, we cast her as Wonder Woman's mom and and get super jacked JLD? Would that Would that interest you? Just well, i
2: could see her as a character named martha so yeah <laughs>
1: oh wow i could not i could not, <laughs> I could not see her decked but
2: what would ken do if jld signed up for What would be more justice upsetting? league yeah eddie vetter or jld signs up for <laughs> justice league and they're getting super yoked what would you Eddie Vedder was one?
1: already super yoked. Eddie Vedder like lifts weights before he goes right, on stage. Like
2: it's like that weird like veiny DC universe. <laughs> right. yeah.
1: I could see um, Eddie Vedder and Zack Snyder being like super super pals, like in some weird universe. Well, super friends. <laughs> <laughs> Vedder Snyder, the super
2: friends. Meanwhile, I live in that temple up too. yeah, do another <laughs> set, bro. Do another set. Wow. You got to curl it all the way your chest, or it doesn't count. I won't count that. <laughs> um, yeah, it was. Uh, so I have an. I have one for you. I'm going to mix it, Brian. Uh, yeah, yeah. So Kent, you know how they bring out the uh, accountants? Uh-huh. You know the, the, the most boring part of every awards show.
3: They Brian. quit. I don't want to talk about it. Where
2: they bring out the accountants. <laughs> so the following person came out with the accountants to do a little comedy bit with them. Was it a comedy?
0: Qu- Com- comedy. Yeah. Quotes. Was
2: it a the cop? B. Will Forte in character as McGruber. C. J. Daniel Atlas.
1: Or D. Leslie Jones. I'm gonna go with the cup, Richard.
0: Oh, you're so
2: so close. You you overthought it. No. Oh. Yeah, it was it was Leslie Jones, oh. and it was hilarious. Was oh. it? She screamed. She yelled at them. <laughs> They were. Here's what's funny is they were talking about doing their jobs and and counting the votes, and then she came out and yelled.
1: I bet it's just so funny to is it just flashes back to the control room and all the audio guys are like, "All right, nobody panic. Everyone prepared. We prepared for this." You know, and they're all freaking as if it's, she's gonna blow the equipment,
3: speakers and TVs yeah.
0: across the country is blowing out.
1: Um. Again, Leslie, uh, we've oh. said, and this is a public service uh, announcement. Just stop stop yelling so we can understand what you're trying to say. Um, Just I try, mean, a,
3: maybe, maybe try a joke.
1: I no, yeah, I mean, once yelling isn't your own <laughs> Actually, bit, then I'll be... She had I'll the joke mind. of, um, if you're going to
2: protect something like the votes, you should protect my Twitter account, which is a funny, funny joke. But... Uh, you know, like maybe don't scream it. You know, like, <laughs> same three guys. It's just like, just, just try. I, I'm willing to go out on the limb that you're really funny. Just mm. different.
1: <laughs> yeah, screaming okay. it automatically makes it funnier, though, Richard. Yeah, it does. It makes a bad joke funny if you scream it. I mean, well, that's that's comedy. When you go to comedy school, that's the first thing yeah. they teach you. You better pot down the audio, Kent,
2: because I got some jokes coming
1: <laughs> Gilbert Gottfried no. has made a career on that now. Um,
2: all right. What's the next category? He did tell the aristocrats like three minutes
1: after 9-11.
3: Yeah,
1: he's been a, ju- a jewel ever since. Uh, all right. Go ahead, Brian.
3: Supporting actor in a comedy series.
1: <laughs> the okay.
3: aforementioned Louis Anderson. Andre oh, he, Brower. He
1: was nominated. Wow. <laughs> yeah. For
0: Baskets.
3: For, <laughs> for basket. Basket.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah,
2: yeah. Zach Alphinak is <laughs> yeah. his mom.
0: Yeah.
3: Keegan Michael Key. Excuse me. Ty Burrell, Titus Burgess, Tony Hale, and Matt Walsh. Tony Hale. And you're wrong. It was Louis Anderson. <laughs> <It> was <laughs> the strangest moment of the whole night, and it was awesome. It just was. It kind of came out of nowhere.
1: And it was the first award. You're like,
3: whoa, you mean, we're on a
2: yeah. trip really
3: Yeah, exactly. You mean yeah.
1: Emmy Award winner, Louis Anderson.
3: Brian. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
2: And he, guess what? Hadn't changed up the material since like
3: 1989.
2: Oh, man. He got, I, I was like, I, hey, oh, my God. <laughs> like why?
3: Yeah. But you have to add in uh, at least 100 extra pounds and a lot of wheezing into the microphone. <laughs> like, I nope. wasn't I was, totally sure he was going to make it through that
2: speech. Super dope Bolo, though.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It was a cool. I mean, it was a solid speech. It was, and it was cool to see, like the crowd was really excited for him, which was cool. Yeah. But it it kind of came out of nowhere, I think. Okay, well, that supporting is crazy. actor. Who, who else was nominated yeah. there? Sorry. Uh, no, you're good. Uh, Andre Brower, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah. Titus. I thought, maybe uh, I Rodeau, maybe uh,
1: Keegan Michael Key would win Key. because of the last season last of, of of Key and Peele. But,
0: sure.
3: Um,
1: so good to see the nomination though for that
0: yeah yeah
1: all right go ahead and move on
3: supporting actor in a drama series jonathan banks peter dinklage ben Mendelssohn, kit harrington michael kelly and john voigt
1: i'm gonna go peter dinklage
3: and you would be wrong Wow! but i think you are in the majority of people who were surprised because ben mendelson of bloodline came away with it and he didn't even show up to accept the award i think he's filming star wars so you know wow
1: Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Uh, I haven't seen that show still. That's a Netflix show, correct?
3: Right. I've watched a couple eps. It's it's okay. It's interesting. It it maybe takes a while to kind of dig into
1: it. Is it very serious? Yes,
3: it is very serious. Very serious. It takes itself very seriously as well. Okay. So with that, well, Uh, supporting actor in a limited series or movie. Okay. Jesse Plymouth, Bokeem Woodbine, Hugh Laurie. Sterling K Brown, David Schwimmer, and John Travolta.
2: Um
3: Schwimmer. And you would be wrong, Sterling wow. K Brown.
1: Wow. I would have gone Schwimmer or Jesse Plemons for Fargo.
3: Yeah. That would have been my my vote. Same here. It's kind of a, as a as a big Fargo fan, I can't at all argue with the incredible success of the people versus OJ Simpson, but I do kind of hate that. Also, Fargo
0: completely gets
1: I didn't mention earlier, Kirsten Dunst was great. She was nominated, yes. but she was great in Fargo as well and deserved yes, she's the fantastic. nomination.
0: Total,
3: totally.
1: Never thought I would say that Kirsten Dunst was great, <laughs> that that sentence would come out of my mouth or that she deserved the nomination, but right. Definitely clearly
3: had. you didn't see Spider Man 3, but okay. Uh, moving on, supporting actress. You could say no, I did. No, I saw it.
1: Vindicated, <laughs> she is
3: selfish. She, she is, is wrong. she's
1: vindicated. Yep, she is. Um,
3: sir, so that is the Spider Man 2 soundtrack. But,
1: oh, uh... darn it. I was so close. Have you ever seen the video of uh, Lars von Trier talking about how he nope, <laughs> you know what I mean? You haven't seen it.
2: I've I... Tend to kind of veer away from anything Lars von Trier just for my it violates my most of my parole.
3: Actually, anything related to anyone named Lars, I, <laughs> I tend to avoid personally.
1: Okay, all right.
3: But what
2: is what is it? Tell us.
1: Basically, he gets kicked out, he got banned from the Cannes Fil- Film Festival. Did you hear about that? Well,
3: sure, yeah. He, yeah.
1: uh, during Good. the I guess it was Melancholia premiere. <laughs> Or a press conference, he he just talked about how he loved uh, the Third Reich <laughs> oh,
0: and oh, like yeah. went into detail yeah.
1: about it. And but what's what's crazy? I mean, when you watch it, Kirsten Dunst is sitting right next to him the whole time, and oh, she no. starts to like realize what he's saying. Oh, no. And you and ever since I've seen that clip. Uh ever since that happened, i just felt so bad for her. You know, like I just rooted yeah, so Myers hard Myers for <laughs> her. Like she's just so humiliated sitting up there and he's talking for like five minutes about this. And he got I mean, they kicked him out, like they're like, never come back again, literally. <laughs> and, uh, him
2: and uh Mike Pence and Mike Myers all have her and Mike Pence <laughs> and Mike Myers all they all meet once a month. Yeah. To just discuss
1: about- just this, this is a some horrible. PTSD
3: Hello, darkness,
1: my old friend moments. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So go, go Kirsten Dunst. I want to see you
3: be successful. Same, but same. she was so good in, in Fargo. Yeah. Okay. Supporting, supporting actress in a comedy. Niecy Nash, uh, Alison Janney, American Treasure, Allison Janney, Kate McKinnon, Judith Light, Gabby Hoffman, Anna Chomsky, Chomsky, Chomsky. Chumsky. Chumsky. <laughs>
1: I'm going to go Kate McKinnon.
3: Ding, ding, ding. Congratulations, Kent.
1: That made me
2: really Got that bad. one, right?
1: For but SNL, yeah. I'm assuming.
2: Yeah. Nothing against her. She's great at SNL, but like, there's been so many great seasons of SNL where it never wins anything. And last season was, though she's great and is a great Hillary Clinton and a myriad other sketches, a terrible season of SNL. And that's the one that gets recognized by the Emmy. That kind of stuff drives me crazy.
1: Yeah, it was mediocre, but the few highlights she did have a lot to do with. I thought she was like you said, great as Hillary this past season. Some of their cold have, o- some of their cold opens with her were were really good. The highlight of the show.
2: I agree, but I'm like I watch too much sports and so like I refuse to vote for MVP when a guy's on like a 5 and 11 team and <laughs> sure. I feel like and even if it's, you know, Tom Brady and he's on a 5 and 11 team, he's not my MVP and that's kind of it's not nothing she did. She's great and was great this season with, with subpar material, but that's just, like, the stubborn... There's so many years where, like, Kristen Wiig and Will Ferrell and, you know, tons of other people on, on just, like, all-star, great... I mean, think about, like, the 08 election year of SNL and, like, no one won. And then sure. she wins for, you know, sketches that... Um, whatever that idiot that hosted his host's weekend update wrote.
1: Colin Jost yeah i refuse to learn his name
3: that guy, like it's
1: like a... <laughs> he's still on is did he make it through cuts this past time i guess they he
3: did but he's not the head writer anymore but he still is oh i saw that
1: yeah the... i saw that he he, he really is the
2: castle out. my a so he brings in all the wine <laughs> It strikes me as the type
0: oh i hate him
1: yeah <laughs> snl is kind of an interesting thing these days um they they have hired a few more cast members. I think they've hired three yeah. 3 male
2: cast members. I uh, like Mike Day. He's a guy that should have been on for like the last 7 yeah. years anyway. So yeah. that's good. That's a good hire.
1: And um we're going to be without Jay Pharoah and Taron Killam from now on, which is going to be weird on SNL, especially Taron well, Killam.
3: Taron Killam has the Dell commercials, so he's he's good.
1: <laughs> they both signed on for some kind of speaking of showtime, some kind of showtime series forgot who was producing it, like Chris Rock or uh, Spike Lee or something like that um, was going to produce this Showtime series that Jay Farrow landed the lead in, and I think Taron Killam has the second lead or something like that. In. But we'll have to see how that turns out for both of them. Uh, but it's good to see they're getting work. But it's going to be weird to see SNL without them. Not a lot of strong male leadership on the show. I guess Keenan is like, Cyril's still... <laughs> The main man uh, over there.
3: Just never quit. Never quit. <laughs> never quit.
1: All right. Uh, what's the next category, Brian?
3: Supporting actress in a drama series Maura Tierney, Maggie Smith, Lena Headey, Amelia Clark, Maisie Williams, and Constance Zimmer.
1: Maisie Williams.
3: Wrong. Maggie Smith again. <laughs> <laughs> the chicken lady which i kind of love i love that she i to abbey is awful i don't get Downton abbey in the in the slightest but i i do kind of love that we keep giving her awards and she keeps just not coming to the award ceremony it makes so, i don't know what it is but it makes me so happy she's just like i could not be more i could not be bothered to come to this no way
2: so kent to start the show since you didn't get to see it jimmy kimmel did a bit about how we have to stop giving maggie smith emmys because she doesn't show up and um this long thing about how she's treating the emmys like the people's choice awards <laughs> and blah 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 so then when she won the two uh presenters were like uh we happily accept this award she's not couldn't make it tonight uh but we happily accept it and kimmel just comes busting out and saying like nope nope and he takes the trophy he's like if you want it come get it it'll be in lost and found
1: <laughs> oh my gosh that's hilarious was so Strong. That's like he crazy. had the whole
2: thing planned out because, like, he knew she would win. It was it was a great award show moment. Kimmo, by the way, we should say on the whole killed it. I thought I would say yeah, it, I would almost say it was but
3: yeah. That, he was very good. He did a yeah. very good job with it. Yeah, he, he didn't overstay his welcome in no. any bit, and that's that. I think is a huge part of it is just knowing when to shut up and when to get off stage. Yeah. and I think I thought he did that extremely well. In addition to just being you know generally funny and and just mean spirited enough. Yeah.
2: He has the Martin Short gift and the Steve Martin gift where he can be really mean and, like, everyone just laughs and no one cares because he – I don't know. There's some charm about him. Some people can't pull off the mean. He pulls it off and, like, the person he's making fun of laughs, and that's a (laughs) gift for a comedian. It's a great award show trait, and I think – especially since he's an ABC guy, I think within two years he's hosting the Oscars.
1: Wow. I hope so. I, he should host everything. Honestly, he 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 <laughs> he has a great way of offending yeah. celebrities without uh, making them hate you, like Ricky Gervais yeah, does. Right. Uh, exactly. I, <laughs> yes. I I mean, he he says them in a way that everybody can laugh. You know, um, nobody really gets angry, so that's good. Um, but I heard
2: the party he threw after the Emmys was epic too. Really. Yeah, he had like every chef from around the country there. I always love his
1: Oscars after show that he does too. Yeah. That's good too. He should host the Oscars um every year. And just think walk across think... the street and do his after show. <laughs> <laughs> that, would be, that would be greatness. That would be such a yeah. win for ABC too, if they could pull that off annually.
2: You should catch the opener. He did like uh kind of a vintage Billy Crystal mm-hmm. um putting himself in all oh, the different really? shows type thing. Yeah, and it was it was that can be really ironically or or funny. I mean it was the funniest thing he did all night but it was like really once he pulled that off I was like okay cuz I know he's going to kill the monologue. Mm-hmm. And he had some funny bits throughout and just some good. He you could tell he which is the smart way to do it. He had five jokes written for every award. So whoever won, he could come out, give a one-liner and then introduce the next presenter, which is the way to do it.
1: Sure. Wow,
2: that is. And it. some of them were like I said this, this the Johnny Cochran smiling up at us from somewhere. <laughs> Um, like some of them were really subtle and just <laughs> wicked it like that and uh
1: and we're really good. Wonder whose writing team is.
3: I think it's uh, his, Bruce Belange I, I, mostly I think, <laughs> I think it Goldberg. was
1: just his, his T V show staff. I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. I didn't know if he has like his buddies that like Probably his yeah. yeah. I'm I sure he's got it. I'm sure he runs it by, by he's gotta see run it by Corolla bef- before everything. He's gotta get everything <laughs> approved by Corolla. <laughs>
2: Frollo was so excited to go to the after party and then his daughter ran over her finger with her hoverboard and cut half her finger off right before the awards show. And so he didn't get to go to the party and that was only about 50 minutes on his podcast.
3: Gosh, poor kid. Like, <laughs> Not just that she almost lost a finger but then she had to listen to her dad talk about what a beat down it is to have a daughter that runs over yeah. her own finger with the hoverboard. Yeah. With.
2: I don't know, but Ken, you oh. should definitely check out some of the monologue stuff and check out he did he, of course, uh there was a Matt Damon cameo. And they great. kept they kept their bit going. Oh and Matt gosh, Damon Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. yeah. Maybe the best stuff they Damon is so good at everything, man.
1: Fantastic.
2: The fact that he's such a good screen actor and then can come out on a stage and just slay is yeah. that is the
1: that is the perfect quality of a american Treasure. <laughs> Richard.
0: <laughs>
1: hey, future AT. But um, totally, how much totally. time I, during the show uh, over or under 30 minutes of cousin Sal on the uh, uh, He <laughs> comes out and gives a few. Uh,
2: he Just comes. He came out halfway through and gave some tips on some college games. He, he likes he likes Louisville over Marshall this week. Uh, <laughs> plus 30, <laughs> you know, at yeah. minus at 32 favorites. <laughs> that, talk about beat downs. I mean, yeah, that, <laughs> that, would, that would be one of your all timers
3: goodness all right i've got three more uh, supporting actress in a limited series or movie melissa leo who is nominated every year for a different
1: i know movie. it's
3: kind and of annoying uh, is, she, she,
2: she comes out seems kind of methy and screams and curses <laughs> right here's your emmy nomination melissa it's
3: so weird she's like the miniseries version of meryl streep it's weird uh <laughs> regina king Sarah Paulson for American Horror Story not OJ Simpson, Kathy Bates, Gene Smart, and Olivia Coleman. Kathy Bates. Regina King, American Crime. Who I I, I like her yeah, quite a bit. I like I her too. To
1: her. Good speech the, too.
3: Pick up the old one, yeah, she did. She had a good. American speech. Crime.
1: Oh, that's the ABC American that's Crime. I was going to say is that the OJ. Okay. No, it's yeah. American Crime Story. Sorry. American yeah, Crime Story. Yeah. We need both.
3: Yeah. <laughs> of
1: course. Not not confusing. It's actually no. required have both yeah <laughs> you can't just have one all right nope brian go ahead
3: okay the last two are the big ones comedy series blackish master of none modern family silicon valley transparent unbreakable kimmy schmidt and veep
1: um i'm gonna say veep one but i would have voted for master of none mm-hmm. that's that yeah
3: veep was the winner Master of None won, won for writing, which was cool. Yeah. It was cool to see oh, okay. uh see them get something, which is you know, like a little slap yeah. on the back, but but it's cool. So deep one okay. and what's the guy who's the creator's name, Man, Mandel? Is it Well Greg Armando and
2: created it, but he stepped right. down last year, so now there's oh, a right, new right, guy right. up there. Okay. Um
3: his speech yeah, so his
2: spe- awesome. Yeah, hey, he's my speech. new favorite fat guy.
3: Yeah, totally. Yeah, sorry. And I, keep a, I keep. I keep. We replace you two hours later.
2: But. Yeah, I know. Louie made a quick climb. He made a quick yeah,
3: climb. Yeah, but right back down. Yeah, right.
2: And then he's. And then he. Had, they had both passed. Um, like three different fat guys that scored touchdown during the NFL during that day. <laughs> Nothing's better in sports than the fat guy touchdown. Right. Yeah. Uh, but then Louie, and then yeah, that
1: guy.
3: Wow, that was fantastic. It was a great speech, really funny and and well put.
1: That's cool. Um, I've. Gone back and started rewatching Master of None. I hadn't mm-hmm. watched it since uh, the premiere week, um, and so good. man, so good, so funny. Aziz Excellent. Aziz is great, and him and Eric Wareheim make a funny combination. Yes, and yeah. uh, Noel Wells is is good in it too. Very well written. Like it won the Emmy for it. So, and his parents are great. I I am excited for season two, and I think they're filming it right now. So we shall see. Uh, how that holds over. I I I also... um, Did you guys ever see the Love, the Judd Apatow series on uh, Netflix? I did. uh,
2: No,
3: I never got to it.
1: The person that's related to me by dating watched it and
2: loved it, but I have not seen it yet.
3: Yeah,
1: that's worth a watch too. Uh, I thought it was funny. Surprised it just didn't get more recognition from uh, critics or anything, or even people i don't feel like anyone really talked about it much yeah um i think we're it's about really really funny and really well done it's it's raunchy i will say don't watch it with mm-hmm. your kids in the room um it's not like a it's not a show you'd see on freeform but uh, <laughs> i mean but it's it's funny i mean it's typical it, it's typical judd apatow humor you know but uh it is um it's really well written and good acting and everything and stuff like that so i don't know if that's getting There's- a second season but we'll see Speaking of there's Netflix so, comedies,
2: there's so much great Netflix shows now, especially, and then yeah. just kind of streaming shows together. Amazon Hulu. I think we're about to start getting to where really great stuff comes out that you like, and then you're just going to be really frustrated in that. No one else saw it or like, it doesn't get the record. Like when house of cards came out, it was like an event, but now Netflix has a big show every month. Yeah. So like, it's hard for something to really get the traction. Something like that was more and more. And I think if love had come out two years earlier, it's a, sweeps the name. oh, are you watching love oh my yeah. god oh, i watched it in two days blah, blah, blah. Yeah. but now it's like yeah it was good
1: it, and then i watched it Narcos. would have done really well <laughs> on hbo i think i don't yeah. think on netflix it just got the exposure that it deserved um for being a judd apatow show um but it's good i mean like you said richard i i we did stranger things i think uh last month <laughs> uh, an episode and Ever since then, I've just been all on Netflix original series, like I'm just like, mm-hmm. man, I'm just kind of obsessed with what they have to offer because it's they have so so much variety in what they're putting out that especially can, in like uh,
2: in yeah. the film department like ridiculous we're doing Magnificent seven tonight, ridiculous six
1: I mean just lots <laughs> of great
0: <laughs> yep yeah.
1: more Sandler. we if we can get a new Sandler one every two months, three months. <laughs> I mean that's like the rate they're trying to go. It's so nuts. Um, All right, that's crazy. (laughs) You getting them checks, Adam? What's the last category? Yeah, drama.
3: Best drama: The Americans, Better Call Saul, Downton Abbey, Game of Thrones, Homeland, House of Cards, and Mr. Robot.
1: I'm gonna go with Game of Thrones.
3: Correct, sir. Yeah. If if for no other reason than the creator got to get up and thank Amanda, his wife Amanda Peet again. It's really his wife. yes Amanda yeah, pete. pete. i want to thank amanda pete for being a great wife he like multiple times just First and last name? by the way i'm, I'm married to amanda Pete. yeah i would do yeah dude, oh totally no i shit. don't blame him yeah. i would do that <laughs> as well but i thought it was awesome kind of like, we haven't mentioned
1: amanda pete in a long time <laughs>
2: it
3: used to there be a the... hallmark of this show way back it when.
1: was that was like the early
2: of the cup what was the yeah. bit was it that i was really into amanda pete it I was something so.
1: yeah yeah i, th- I think it so used to be... yeah back
2: at the vault if you go into I, our think, Disney uh, I think i think the episode.
1: episode is moonrise kingdom if i believe so correctly <laughs> really so go back <laughs> and right. check for the amanda pete uh rants and raves uh in that episode <laughs> dude if you're right if I, i'm right, I, right. I, I i'm trying to jog my memory but that sounds right uh around that time i knew it was a comedy movie that we talked about her so we'll see interesting
3: okay yeah if i forgot I, that that was a big did, part of our show back yeah. when we had 12 listeners
1: yeah <laughs> don't listen to the episode I, just listen for the amanda <laughs> pete yeah, yeah
2: i wanted to make my it was when i wanted to make my remake of pete and pete orphan black style just <laughs> two amanda Pete's.
0: it's peter One travers verse. and
1: amanda pete actually <laughs> and they're right? have you heard of peter travers podcast uh, he has, I don't he, has to, he has his movie podcast. Movie now. And anyone yeah. that would is is obviously idiotic. I I don't <laughs> I, understand what? it either. But uh, I no. saw he has a movie podcast, and um, the episodes
3: Every, right, are, powerful movie. The
1: episodes Every... are would you guess long or short, Brian? <laughs> I'm going to go under five minutes. Okay, yeah, they literally they are they're like ten minute episodes for yeah. each movie. <laughs> well, uh, everybody wants some. Is <laughs> it's, it's pretty much. A sequel, kind of, not really, Two Days Confused. And that's my Days review of uh, Everybody Wants yeah. uh, Some. <laughs> and then just three minutes of ads. Yeah. Uh,
0: Thanks,
3: Audible.
1: No, I think there was a place in time for Peter Travers, and that place in time has yeah. passed him by, clearly. Oh,
2: oh man. You're that. lucky this is a PG show, Kent,
1: because I had a good <laughs> one right there. <laughs> We can put an explicit uh, mark on this just for this uh, joke, if uh, you so choose. No, one of these days, one of these
2: days. All if, right. If we can raise, if we can raise five thousand dollars, I will do a fully R-rated episode. <laughs> five thousand dollars. Five thousand dollars, and I'll oh. give it to charity, and I will do a uh, fully. It'll be like a, it'll be like an overcursor. Like when you watch Hard Knocks and you're like, why is this offensive coordinator f-bombing to his kids? And you're like, it'll be like that. Brian will just immediately get fired. It'll be good. Cool. But the money goes to charity, so it's like kind of a catch-20. Yeah, it's, worth, it's worth it. Yeah. We'll all yeah. lose our jobs and our families <laughs> because of it.
1: But it'll be
0: worth it. Well, I guess, yeah.
1: I guess you don't like food for orphans, Kent. I guess you don't. Wow. What a night already. All right. Well, it's good to talk TV. Um, good to kind of reset on all this. Uh, so what was the big winner of the night? What would, what would you say dominated the night as far as... Gary uh, Russell. <laughs> oh, really? Gosh, man.
2: <laughs> Not in the awards category, but Just in other categories. In the, and or or I guess you good? could say Matthew, Matthew Reese may
1: have won as well.
3: <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. I think we declare Matthew Reese the winner for, for all time. I'm that's glad that's we're
1: cool. all finally coming around on Gary uh, Russell being gorgeous and yeah. like really good at acting because nobody can ever forget Felicity. You know, everyone <laughs> just automatically person. sees Felicity. I know, but, but she she's cut Her Felicity, hair, guys. but, <laughs> but gosh. everyone, she's just so attached to that, I guess that sure. it's hard for her to break away and do. Other what things. seems
2: dumber in 2016 that
1: a show basically got
2: canceled because a girl cut her hair short or that Howard Dean was no longer a nominee because he went,
3: woo. <laughs> Yeah, which one was, is age more? I was poorly? talking to my wife about that literally before, right before we got on the air. Just sh- how shocking it is. Yeah! The stuff, <laughs> just like that, killed his entire campaign. Just because he said he made a weird noise at his or, mouth. So, then... Can't elect that guy. Like, <laughs> yeah! so weird.
1: that is literally what <laughs> happened. Yeah, I mean, we were like, so, nope, nope, nope. <laughs>
2: Yep. Think about that now in 2016.
1: And, I, I, and my favorite part well, about like, that was just how much David Letterman just drove that into <laughs> the ground, too. He had, like, a button that he could just press, and he goes, yeah! That, and let the eagle soar, too. Remember that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> let the eagle soar. <laughs> Such a great... I, uh, I miss Letterman in these times, in these these elections. I miss... I yeah. miss. Uh, I, I would have loved to seen all of his thoughts on Donald Trump, Um and John Stewart. It's like we have no Letterman or Stewart during these times. I mean, we do have John Stewart comes on Colbert and stuff like that. But, uh, man, I'm just ready for it to be over, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, all of it. You mean America? Yes, yeah. I agree. I mean this episode.
2: <laughs> all right. Let's talk Magnificent Seven. Back when Amer- Let's make America great again and talk about the classic film, The Magnificent Seven. How do you like that? That's a pro.
1: Hey, man, fam, question for you. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. and they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy-glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com mad. That's blueapron.com mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. BlueApron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Okay, so, of course, we meet to talk about this in, because of the fact that it uh, comes out this weekend, the remake, Reboot of The Magnificent Seven. And it stars Denzel Washington and Chris Pratt and uh, Ethan Hawke, I believe, as Mm -hmm. well. And um, this is going to be interesting to see how this does because Westerns typically haven't done very well worldwide. It seems Mm -hmm. like these days um, that the Western... I mean, usually the ones that have done well are the True Grits of the world and the... uh, hell or high waters of the world i mean kind of the modern western um i mean true grit is obviously a remake and it's an old Western, but the more of the indie movie you know the oscar-y type movies so, uh you don't right. really hear i mean lone ranger was a huge flop uh wild Thank wild west God. of course yeah uh is i think the most notorious example uh Lo- the texas rangers remember that uh Mm hmm. The Alamo, another example, uh, mm-hmm. just doesn't seem like these big budget Westerns seem to work with the masses anymore.
2: The exception, of course, being and I think that this is a direct uh, this was put greenlit because of I think because of Django. Right. Maybe, I think yeah. I mean that that's kind of the exception of, you know, and it's Tarantino, so it's that's
1: kind it, of a a indie genre, movie, though, like I no, say.
2: totally. Why it's, but I mean, it made a ton of money. Sure. And it, it does take place at least kind of in some version of, of the slavery South. Um, but I mean, it kind of, it, it, you know, it, it carries on the tradition of the way it's filmed of, of classic Westerns. And I think, Hey, that did really well. Let's do I mean, it's like the time frame wise, what is this three years after Django? It kind of makes sense that they'd mm-hmm. be, Hey, give me a script. Mm-hmm. Let's make the magnificent seven again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Where does this fall for you guys in terms of that window we like to talk about on the show? Often with these reboot uh, remakes is does this fall into the category of something that deserves a reboot or is this kind of in the Holy Grail territory of something that should never be touched? For example, uh, we're coming off a month where Ben-Hur was one of the biggest flops of all time and we were all under the uh, assumption or under the opinion of Ben-Hur as kind of an untouchable classic. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't really remake it. And uh, I think our point was proven when it made no money. Uh, on the other coin, something like a RoboCop a few years ago, mm-hmm. um, the original has a cult kind of following, but it doesn't really hold up special effects-wise and there's maybe something more you can bring to the table with a reboot. Um, and so RoboCop tried to attempt that, and we didn't feel like it was a movie that couldn't ever be touched again. Same with like a movie like Predator, when there's another reboot coming out of Predator, I think, next year. So where does this fall for you guys, Magnificent Seven, 1960s Magnificent Seven, uh, as far as something that deserves a reboot?
3: Is it, you know, it's an interesting thing because it is a reboot itself. And so, I mean... It's or a remake, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's a, a
1: remake it's, of the Seven Samurai, or right, you know, right, it's an adaptation of that. I wouldn't sure. necessarily call it maybe maybe a remake in a sense. I mean, but it's it's just so if different. it was made, it would be you know?
3: termed a remake. I mean, whether that's fair or not, I, and that's fine. Like, Seven Samurai is an incredible film, too. It's also like eight, and I a mean, half what days about long. what so that you know, I, I think that was kind of prime for, yeah uh, an English language remake. So I don't really hold that against it by any means, but it does make for talk I about think it Holy does grail
1: kinda... movies that you never want to touch. I mean, sure. Obviously yeah. seven samurai has over the years become more popular because of obvious reasons. Uh, a lot of people heap praise on it for, you know, being one of the best examples of great filmmaking, storytelling, uh, camera placement, you know, editing all of the above. But, um, Oh, I guess in 1960 it was just a movie that they knew about you know and like oh the american audiences might like this story but we need to adapt it for american audiences in the same way right. like they would do I, I I don't see it much of a as a remake other than an adaptation like you would for a sitcom like if you're you're going to put everybody loves raymond in brazil or or you know something like that um you could do the same concept, same theme music and everything. I think they did... What's that documentary called? There's some documentary uh, that I've seen about them actually doing that same thing. Um, it's just... I don't even know what the word is. I guess adaptation would be kind of the uh, the ad, the word. Um, but that's yeah. what I kind of consider Magnificent Seven to be from Seven, Seven Samurai. Now, I consider this to be an all-out reboot because, I mean, it's taking the same universe... Right. As yeah. the exact yeah. same universe as uh magazine seven and just recasting the people and reshooting the movie basically is all you're doing here. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, we'll see of course how closer they, they line up and everything. And I'm excited to talk about where we think they will. But to me, um, this kind of falls into a, a, that, that weird gray area of this could be rebooted because I think 1960 was a long time ago, guys.
0: Right. right. It's yeah. not
1: like we're, rebooting uh back to the future which was 35 years mm-hmm. ago i mean we're going 30 years 35 years before that even came out uh so i think this kind of or 25 years this kind of falls into that category for me of something that could be rebooted because i think it's just a lot of people have forgotten about it over the years and, and, and it's not one mm-hmm. that uh it's it's one that people need to revisit and i think this reboot will kind of give people the excuse to go back and revisit the original which is never a bad thing but where does it sure, fall yeah. for you as far as yeah. rebootability?
0: I'm in Hashtag that same boat with you. <laughs> right.
3: I'm in the same boat with you. Like it's Magnificent Seven is a great film. It was one of my, it was in consideration in my my top 10 films of all time. It didn't, you know, make a huge headway in that, that debate, that internal debate. Where is it on the list exactly, Ryan? Because we know
1: you have <laughs> the list <numbered laughs> number 33, up, up, to no, 30, I, up to 35. I, okay. I don't know.
3: I don't know, but I, I do love this movie. I watched it a bunch as a kid for some reason or as, a, I don't know, a young teenager. Um, but I do think the questions that I ask myself whenever a reboot comes around is, A, is the original film good? Yes, this film is very good. Uh, so that kind of typically tends to lean more towards the direction of like, do not remake the movie. Like you can remake Robocop every five years. I don't care because those movies are all bad. So it's fine, but don't, Oh, Steven to kill you. It's oh, coming for me. Uh, don't infringe on on a, a classic film or or a great film. But the other the other thoughts are: Does the original film still hold up? We'll talk more about that in a little bit here with, with this one. But I, I do think I think it looks fantastic for 1960. I I definitely think it. it there are some some elements that uh, that look like they're 55 years old. You know what I mean? And so that. That lends itself more towards yeah maybe it could be prime for a remake and then you, you kind of have to ask yourself what sort of cultural presence does that original film have uh, in the I guess just the the overall cultural zeitgeist yeah. and I don't personally feel like Magnificent Seven has all that much of a hold in 2016 something I like Ben Hur Ben Hur was on on TV like on CBS or whatever every year for my entire life so like even if you're not actively seeking out Ben-Hur I think Ben-Hur is like you know what it is like it's part of your your background knowledge if nothing else I think and I don't know that that that's that holds true for Magnificent Seven and then you got to top it all off with if you are going to remake it does your remake have um cast crew director writer that are of any value. And, you know, that's that is probably the biggest issue with Ben Her is that you let Timor Big Be- Beck Moninoff or whatever his name is direct the fourth lead from Boardwalk Empire as Ben Her. Like that's a terrible idea. So And
1: gave it a two hundred million dollar budget or whatever it had. Right. It, right oh right.
3: that's a that's a far cry from Denzel Washington with uh, the director who who brought forth whether his best or not, the 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 performance that won him his Oscar. So that's that's not a terrible combination. Second,
2: because he won for Glory too, right?
3: Second, you're right, Right. Leading actor, my bad. Yeah,
2: he uh, yeah, and, and reuniting him with Hawk is interesting, and and having, you know, arguably one of the at least in terms of box office gross, one of the three, two or three biggest young male movie stars. Also in this, like, it makes you can mm-hmm. sell me on this money wise. I don't, I, I really still don't know how this is going to do. Sure. Um, but I, I might be able to be, if, if it's good, I'd be willing to, to, to take a gamble on it. If I like the script, probably if I was a, if I was a studio head.
1: Yeah. I think the cast has a lot to do with them green it. I don't know if they had them beforehand, but I think Chris Pratt and Denzel box office wise, like put those on a poster. I think that is attractive to a lot of people. Uh, right. even worldwide. I think Denzel is still a huge movie star worldwide. And I think internationally, this will do a lot better than something like uh, The Lone yeah. Ranger did. I, mean, I don't know if Army Hammer is as a ha- household name as uh, Chris Pratt is, or if people want to see him as much as Chris Pratt, but I have more faith in uh, Chris Pratt getting it done at the box office than them. Um,
2: Sneaky I, year for I... Haley Bennett. Haley Bennett's in everything this year, man. Seriously.
1: Seriously? Yeah. Uh, we'll see if this can unseed, or the new one can unseed Sully from the box office because it's hanging on strong for, like, I, think the, I think, the second or third week now. And uh, this will be its competition. But as far as the old one, um, it Brian, it is a film in the National Film Registry of America, so that's its mm-hmm. main, I guess, qualification for being a an untouchable "Quote unquote" movie. Um, sure. It's not a best picture winner. Um, it was nominated for several Oscars, um, but it it I don't know if it, the cultural staying power is there, and that's kind of what I want to talk about to begin with. Um, this is a an iconic Western film, but it it's never really I think Good, the Bad, and the Ugly is kind of the one you always think of first. Why is mm. that? Because this really has everything you want in one of these types of movies. And it's certainly in the conversation, but for me, um, the first thing you notice is the theme song. And I mean, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's among the, I mean, it's like star Wars level. Good. And Mm -hmm. you're just like what it adds to the movie and setting the tone and just making you feel things. I mean, I I, will talk about it later and how it's used, but I mean, that's the first thing you notice. And it just puts you right into that, right into that place. And you forget how good it what it is until you hear it again. You know, like every time you watch this movie, you're like man, that's so good. You know, totally. Um, yeah. And John Williams is like, man, that's so good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it is. Um, it, I always love Western like credit sequences at the beginning. I don't know for some reason like the scenery with like the credits and the cast names and everything. And I love how old movies do all the credits at the beginning too. I've always mm-hmm. loved that. Uh, I think like master of none, like stole that in, uh, mm-hmm. they, they like use that in master of none. Now, like it's kind of a throwback thing to do or Tarantino do, does it and stuff. But, um, I, I always love that. I, I always love watching, uh, movies that are restored from their original, I guess, Prints And everything. Mm-hmm. I think I watched the Blu-ray remaster of this and it looked gorgeous. I mean, it looked mm-hmm. yes. as good as the Hateful Eight looked, which was shot last year, you know, and some of the scenery and everything. And it really surprised me at the commitment to this, like in 1960. Like, I don't know if they were using matte paintings a lot back then or all, at all or anything like that. But I mean, I think some of the scenery and some of the set design and everything is Incredible, really, and um, mm-hmm. it deserves a best picture nomination just from a production standpoint, in my, in my opinion.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It looks fantastic, and it it still that's the cinematography thing that I, too. Just how yeah, it's shot too. Yeah, that is one of my that's one of my favorite things about these these old westerns is they're you know, especially once it gets into the gunfight. There's you know, there's it kind of looks a little. Lame as to, as compared to what our standards are now, but just from a cinematography standpoint, these movies look fantastic. If they were done right, if there was real attention to detail from the get go, um, they they that part of it ages so well. I was I'm the same. I watched the you know the the restored uh, Blu-ray version, and it was awesome to look at. It looked like something that could have been shot last year, or the, you know in the last five years. It was incredible.
1: It looked awesome. And uh this stars some of the great stars of the sixties, uh, or of this time. I guess this is the late fifties oh, yeah. technically when this was shot. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um we'll start with Yule Brenner.
2: Yeah, the man. The man awesome
1: Richard mm-hmm. Barden's favorite childhood actor. Is he? <laughs> let's yeah
2: let's I do a let's do a little I. Brenner cast here. Go ahead. I always loved the King and I when I was a little kid. We had it on VHS for reasons I don't know, and so always was Team Mule. I didn't know... I didn't really... He's Mongolian, I think, uh, ethnically, and it's, you know... I think he was born in, in Moscow or something, right? Or somewhere. Um, he's he's from the Far East. Yeah, and, Far
3: Eastern Republic, and a bunch of other words that I would not even begin yeah, to try to Yeah, countries that
2: don't exist anymore, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but I think... Yeah, whatever. Um, but I had never seen anyone that like looked like him before when I was a kid. I was just fascinated. But between the Ten Commandments, King and I, and this, which were all around kind of when I was a kid. not They they weren't new. <laughs> That'd be a fun bombshell if I dropped. I am 77 years old. <laughs> <Podcast>. <laughs> just tell anyone. No, but those were all around, and I just loved. I just was so fascinated by Yul Brynner uh, as his accent and his look. Always liked the cool shaved head. Loved Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as a kid. Sorry, Brian. Like I was just <laughs> like, uh, love the cool shaved head look. And so I just I was just fascinated by him always. So, uh, and then, as a young uh, adolescent, thanks to my friendship with with uh, the producer Steven, who will appear on the show shortly soon, um, I love Charles Bronson because I love yeah. Death Wish movies. Steven and I used to used to tape uh, Death Wish movies on CW, and we would watch them together after work. And because uh, we're cool, and there, we had to, you know, we had to fight the girls off somehow. <laughs> and uh, so Bronson, Brenner, I'm in. It's all I need. And there's so Robert Vaughn's in this. Like it's such a it's such a killer cast.
3: Yeah, you're you're glossing over Steve McQueen. He's probably the coolest no, human d- of all I do. time. No,
2: we haven't got We'd to, to him yet.
1: Steve. They're also speaking of reboots, Great remakes. Yeah. They're rebooting for HBO or putting on TV the Yul Brenner classic Westworld uh yes, which will yes. be premiering with Anthony Hopkins yes. here pretty soon and that could be interesting.
3: I'm excited could about be, that one. It could be awesome.
1: Yeah. So we'll see. All right, uh speaking of cool people and awesome. Uh you said it, Steve McQueen. And man, what a cool a cool <laughs> dude. I mean, the coolest. Who's
3: cooler than Steve There's, McQueen? Ever. I think I
1: mean, a lot of this has to do with his name, Steve yeah, McQueen. It I mean, that's the coolest that's name of sure. maybe ever. Uh, maybe James Dean has something to say with that about cool names. Sure. But, uh, I mean, if this guy was named, I don't know, Vincent <laughs> Oladipo, <Deep>, you know. <laughs> something like that. I don't know.
2: He'd be stuck in Oklahoma and life would be awful. Yeah. No, it is cool. It's good. I like, you know, speaking of remakes, this is what I do like. I like that there's another Steve McQueen now. because it It's too cool of a name to just have like a 40-year run. Like right. when, when the director of, uh, of 12 Years a Slave, Steve McQueen, when he dies, there should be another Steve. There should always be a Steve McQueen in like the culture. We should elect it. Yeah. But he's naturally a Steve McQueen. They're both naturally with that. I think, uh, you know, the actors was, I think it was like Terry, Terrence Steve McQueen or something like that. Which Terrence McQueen not nearly as cool as Steve McQueen, uh, but yeah, it's uh, I like uh, I, I like continuing names. There needs to always be a, a Steve McQueen. There should always be like a Michael Jordan. See, we have Michael B. Jordan now. Just be he's Michael Jordan now. Those those names, cool names, should just continue forever.
1: What are you more of a fan of, uh, Steve McQueen in this or Steve McQueen in The Great Escape? Because we, great, I know we've talked escape, about The right, Great Escape. Yeah.
3: Great Escape is one of my, I don't know, twenty favorite movies of all time. It's so so good, and it. I it, think you totally put it, I think we,
1: You had it in your top ten, maybe.
3: It was in the conversation. I don't think it made the cut, but it was it was close. The Great Escape is a fantastic movie, and he is incredible. I mean, look, he's incredible in everything. I he, you go back and you look at some of his movies back in when I first graduated from college was the first time that i had like full cable access and i had i think it was stars and there was some sort of stars marathon like the first month that i had free stars before i became super or before i realized how poor i was and had to cancel all that yeah uh that they (laughs) ran like all of his movies or or a good chunk and so i because i i haven't seen just a whole bunch of movies pre 1983 or whatever whenever i was born and so but I caught uh, Papillon and Bullet and a bunch of his his movies, and he's he's fantastic in all of them. He's just got this incredible presence. The Great Escape is like on another level, and that is saying something because he's fantastic in this as well.
2: Who yeah. is he, your guy? Like who who are, I, we? Never talked about this. Who's your guy? Like classic movie star or or actress?
3: Like right yeah. that's
2: we all have like our queen or king, right? Who's who's yours? Because I know mine is yours, McQueen.
3: It's probably a toss-up between McQueen and Paul Newman. Yeah, mine's Newman. Okay, I'm, I'm you, team you Newman. can't beat Newman. In a lo- like, either way you vote, I feel like you you have a great case to make. Like it's uh, n- no disputing, you know.
1: Yeah, I like John Wayne. Yeah, it's sure. probably yeah. mine. Just the coolest, you know, like coolest guy maybe ever. I know he was famous for westerns, but I just feel like he was just an all-American actor mm-hmm. guy, and Harrison Ford too. Uh, old, old Harrison Ford in the seventies, uh, was the man too. Like the Han Solo American graffiti era, Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. Super cool. Super cool. Uh, James Dean. I never really got, I devil, uh, rebel without a cause, devil without a cause. Also the kid rock album. Great <laughs> rebel without a cause. Um, I, I'm uh, going platinum. I'm, I've seen a number of times and I've just never really understood, significance mm, i think it's more significant for like the movie poster than it is like it being a great film um but i understood james dean's significance in film and everything yeah. and that he left us too soon and the whole, the whole deal but steve mcqueen's kind of like the if james dean stayed around yeah, you know, what would he have done sure, in his yeah. later years that i think we've sure. seen it, it with steve mcqueen and it's it was awesome to see again and so I guess Chris Pratt is playing the Steve McQueen character in this mm-hmm. movie. Is that correct?
3: It's, yes. I think so. I think so. I mean, I don't they, know. Or, yeah, they have different names. So they, yeah, they're
2: to, I, I, yeah. yeah, they're different names. I think they're, but the archetypes are kind of at least right. similar. Right. I would think he's the closest.
1: Wow, that's got to be quite the honor for Chris Pratt to be. Mm. Um, Chosen to be the next I guess the heir apparent to Steve McQueen in the reboot. That's cool. So I guess yeah. Denzel's playing the Yule Brenner character from the looks yes. of the trailers with wearing an all black hat and shirt and everything, but I guess he didn't shave his face clean and he wore he's going with the chop sideburns Denzel is in the new one. So that's cool. Um, so this is kind of a simple movie. In the fact mm-hmm. that uh, the plot and everything is It's just very simple, and these this one village is uh, being robbed over and over again, and they really need to find a way to protect themselves. And mm-hmm. so they do so by, uh or, or actually they have the idea to go to the village, and then we're going to buy guns, we're going to defend ourselves, you know, and they go get money, where well, they don't have money, so they go find something to trade in for money, they go to the village, and, uh, to buy ammunition only to find Yul Brenner there to convince them, okay, you don't need to buy weapons. You need to hire people to protect you. You know, that'll mm-hmm. be a lot cheaper and more efficient because they already know how to shoot the guns and everything. Right. right. Um, what a great scene to be introduced to him and, uh, Steve McQueen as well, as they're mm-hmm. riding through the stagecoach through the town and they're like, shooting all the different things and people are telling him to leave the town and everything uh that's just a really really iconic sequence and uh it's just yes. a great way to introduce the characters
3: i'd forgotten about that sequence because there's just you know so many other things that come through the movie and that is that legitimately might be the best scene in the whole movie it's such a cool way to introduce two characters and you just know right off the bat, like one line of dialogue from each of them. You're like, Oh, these two guys are awesome. <laughs> like there's yeah. just no, there's no way around it. Like these dudes are the coolest dudes you've ever seen.
1: Yeah. And so their solution is they're going to recruit people to help them or they're, we're putting together a team. Uh, <laughs> tanker, Lutz, uh, uh yeah. <laughs> Speedman
2: burning freedom,
1: Bird and freedom, uh, Never gets old. Mickey ammo,
2: maybe you've heard of them. <laughs> yeah,
1: maybe you've heard of them. Um, never, never gets old. We're putting together a team.
2: Actually, I was talking to the colonel. <laughs> Everything Piper just told you is true. Thank you, Colonel. Colonel, move on, Kent. Yeah. Before we, I are, the whole movie.
1: we are. We are going to do another McGruber cast someday. It'll happen. Just to relive it, relive it all. Um, for me, it's fine. I the the recruiting is not my favorite um to me this movie is just about the characters themselves um and their interactions but the introductions take a little too long in my opinion um and they each have kind of their own individual storylines or plot lines right uh, mm-hmm. one of them is in love with the girl one of them is uh you know takes a liking to Uh, teaching the kids how to uh, learn and everything. Um, And, you know, some of them want to protect the city and everything and and are only interested in one of them they think is uh, in in it for the treasure or whatever. Uh, That's cool as well. Um, It just gets a little drawn out for me. I just wish this movie was broken up a little bit more with more action, more of the gunfight sequences, more of the standoffs. Uh, I think the standoff at the very beginning, Yul Brenner's first one, uh, where mm-hmm. where they sort of uh they, I guess not pillagers, but the other robbers sort of come into the town for the first time, and he's sort of defending the town for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, that scene is really good. I just wish there was more of that in this. If there, sure. I wish there was more uh draws in this movie. I don't know what to say uh what that's called. Standoff, I guess, would be the word for it. But I mm-hmm. guess there was there was a little more action in this. Um, I just. I guess I remember, or when I go back to think about this, I just guess, guess I just remember there being more of the gunslinging stuff in this, and I, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that the new one will make up for the loss of that because oh yeah, I don't yeah. Think, I don't think a 2016 audience has has the attention span to sit through a movie like this movie. No. you know this is this is way more talky than I remember it being.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you definitely can't do that in 2016 with a big studio budget. Like, Hell or High Water did that. We just talked about that a couple weeks ago. There's really not. But it did, it, it broke it up, man. It broke yeah, it up sure, with those bank robberies. Scenes, but yeah, but it's pretty, it's short and pretty sweet. And in between it, you just have a lot of dialogue and a lot of brothers looking out over an empty field, you know, stuff like that. You can do that on a $10 million budget. You can't on 150 these days.
1: Yeah. This movie speaking of the music did a great job uh, in making boring scenes seem great in the fact that okay we're just going to show horses literally just walking for 5 <laughs> minutes with the theme song playing behind it and it makes sure. it awesome <laughs> and I could know, just watch this for 2 hours uh just play this <laughs> music and just show scenery of horses and yeah. we're good That's hello course. hello oscars oh, you know yeah <laughs> it, it, i mean it really it really looks great but i mean the set design too like the actual town itself i don't know if that was a town that was already there or what but i just feel like in my mind looking back i feel like this era of movie making was all about the okay we're going to be on the back lot okay we already have a western set kind of a thing uh and the fact that it all looked kind of cheap in of the time of the uh in the '60s or in the in the '50s, this felt like it was in the time period of the West of the Old West. I mean, they really committed to the authenticity of this movie, and I think that lends itself to long term um, shelf life with mm-hmm. with people more so than Absolutely. some of those earlier westerns. I think that's that's more why they were, that a movie like this will be in the film registry as opposed to a lot of those other. Westerns that mm-hmm. uh, John Wayne was in and things like that. It's a, it's a lot easier to pinpoint this for being great, I guess, because it, it sure. stood out from a lot of those movies for its production and everything. And it, for the most part, it holds up. I mean, effects-wise, I mean, some of the guns stuff is lame. Like, some of the sound effects are st- super lame on the guns, like the layering mm-hmm. of the gun. gun like... It sounds like there's lasers oh, at one point in this. Like they're oh, running, they're running out of different gun noises, so they're just right. throwing stuff against the wall. It seems like in some of these shootouts when there's like twenty guns going off at once, mm-hmm. um, that's that's cool. But I think for the most part, um, it holds up. There's some some overacting from some of this. Like some people get shot, they do the classic fall to the knees and fall fall down uh, thing. When they get shot, like hold their chest, you know, kind of the classic like you would see on a Broadway play. It's like, I've been shot, kind of, a thing, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and yeah. uh, that, that I guess it's to be expected with this kind of movie, but mm-hmm. it's just more noticeable uh, the further and further away we are from yes. when it came yeah. out. Uh, the, the difference in acting styles between the generations <laughs> is, it's right. jarring sometimes, but you yes. got to appreciate it for the most yeah, part. Yeah, you
3: get that right off the bat when... Uh... <laughs> when they ride into the town the first time around and they, they shoot the guy that runs at them. Yes. And he dies and it's pretty, okay. There's no you know, blood been, involved. And then the, the yeah. woman runs out and she's like, no, my husband, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. You're like, yeah. oh no, this is super old. And then you, you know, you move on and it's fine. But it's very jarring right off the bat. We are like, oh, whoa, whoa, I forgot that's what movies were like back then.
1: I guess this movie could have kind of a, I don't know, Pocahontas level kind of, Uh, satire to it you know kind of about protecting people and their inhabitant and their places and not disturbing (laughs) civilizations and all that you know um there's i think there's more to it than just uh we're trying to protect you for some robbers like there's a lot trying to be said with this plot and everything um but i think for the most part it's memorable for the way it's shot the music Mm -hmm. and yul brenner and steve mcqueen together on the screen i mean that's really That's all you need to say. Sure. Um, but I think it has it has a lot more to it than that. And uh that was noticeable as well for me this last time around. Mm-hmm. Um let's the the get up and face me uh part of it where one of the seven is yelling extremely loud and uh he's like, get up and face me, you know, trying to get him to fight.
0: Right. Um,
1: I think it was one of the best uses of silence, like in film history. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because he says, get up and face me. And then it's just silent for, it's gotta be a minute. And it shows Mm -hmm. everybody's face. It shows the environment, you know, and it's, it's one of the most effective ways you can say, you can use absolutely nothing, you know, no dialogue, no music, no sound effects. And it works so great, but sometimes it's better to say nothing than to say Mm -hmm. anything at all.
0: So, well, and James yeah.
3: James Coburn is fantastic huh? too. Like in a in a different universe where Yul Brenner and Steve McQueen and Charles Bronson and and Eli Wallach aren't dominating the screen, you're you're coming out of this movie saying, "Man, James Coburn really stole the role and stole the movie." And he's he's pretty spectacular in everything that he does too. It's the assemblage of talent on this sh- on the movie as a whole is just on, on another level. It's just so so interesting to see where all these guys ended up. Um, from you know 1960 to over the course yeah. of the next 20 or 30 years.
1: So, what are some standout parts for you guys in this movie? What did you? What's something that you liked this time around? What's a scene that you enjoyed? Uh, what's a big like uh, for you, uh, Brian?
3: Um, one of the sequences that I'd kind of I I mentioned the one at the beginning with with uh, Yule Brenner and Steve McQueen. That introduction is is awesome. But I really dug the sequence when the town is celebrating their. The, their founding or whatever yeah, with like the fireworks
1: and, and everything. Yeah, it, yeah. It's,
3: it's really, it's a long drawn out sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no dialogue. It's just, you know, these people celebrating, but at the same time, all the, all the hired hands are kind of figuring out what's going on. And they're, uh, about to, you know, they're about to take down the, the scouts that were sent out by the, the, the band of, uh, of bandits and stuff. And it's really kind of similar to what you were talking about. The use of silence with the, the James Coburn, sequence at the very beginning. Um, it's kind of that same thing, like, the in the entire... There's no dialogue. It's just dominated by the sounds of the celebration, but there's so much being said uh, with their body language, with their facial expressions, and just um, the way in which they... Especially Yul Brenner, which he moves, kind of lets you know what's happening, and what the situation is, and what, what their plan is, and how they're going to act, and all that sort of thing. And that's a really cool... That's a, that's a tour the sort of sequence that I I don't think you can do in 2016 at all. Nope. and I, I love that stuff. I thought that was really cool.
1: Yeah, Richard, anything for you stick out?
2: I'm trying to think. I mean, oh gosh, Brian, you've 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 stolen my. I'm trying to it's I'm trying to harken back here. Um, I think I I love the character introductions here because it's not done in like the typical. Um. In a typical way, anyway, yeah, it's super exposition-y way. It's it's like you're kind of you just have to. This movie really respects its audience, and it's just you know here are these guys. Let's follow them around for a while in this, and I don't need to know. I don't need what I love about this is it comes from a time where it didn't where characters did not have to be redeemable. Mm-hmm. They could just exist totally, and the the kind of the 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 i trying to think of the right word here. The way it allows them to be authentic makes them much more likable than it would be if they were redeemable. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah.
1: And it's hard to tell if Yul Brenner's is even somebody you should root for in this.
3: Right. Because, yes, exactly. I mean, yeah. he,
1: it's ambiguous. he's Very ambiguous. so brooding and uh, he's dressed in all black. So automatically in your mind, you're like, is this guy going to be bad at the end of the day? You know, kind of a thing and i think mm-hmm. that's kind of on purpose to put that there and that's mm-hmm. great that's kind of what we what we want is to kind of be sketched out about this i think that's kind of what tarantino flipped on his head with with the hateful 8 and the fact that it's like let's just make everybody just horrible and put them sure. in a room together you know, yeah, <laughs> you know? Totally. and that was yeah. that movie i mean that that's really what he was playing off of was had these characters interacting and but what if he just made them 10 times worse of people <laughs> and then put them in a room and literally put them like locked them in the room place like with with a blizzard you know that was uh that's what he did but it was great um this for me it holds it holds up on a lot of levels and i think uh i, I think this this reboot will actually do it a favor and the fact that it'll make a lot more people respect uh the uh, the original. Um sure. you know, flop yeah. or not, you know. If it's a flop, they'll be like, "Man, the original was way better," you know. And if this is successful, a lot more people will go check it out and realize uh where it came from and why it deserves to be rebooted in the mm-hmm. first place. Totally. So, I have faith in the the people that are behind it, but I just don't have faith that the masses will attach themselves to it. Like I I feel like the new Magnificent 7 will be like a I don't know. 71% kind of a movie and mm-hmm. I just don't know if the worldwide audience will care enough. But uh I mean this is an A. Uh this is an A movie for me. Um at the end of the day, it's uh it's a movie that is so rewatchable, you know? Yeah. I mean immensely like yeah. as much as Star Wars rewatchable. Uh it's it's very good and uh you notice more stuff uh every single time you watch it and full it's fun to talk about full of easter eggs and it's a uh, it's a great one love it love magnificent 7 do you guys have a grade for this one
3: yeah for me it's an a as well um yeah. maybe even an a plus it's it's bordering on a masterpiece the the score is fantastic all the actors are great john sturges is a great director and i think it's also interesting to watch it you know whatever 55 56 years later and kind of pick up on all of the movies and i'm sure plenty of tv shows as well that have come along since then that have drawn from this movie which i know is drawn from seven samurai but it's just kind of interesting to see the evolution of that and see um where that kind of uh, influence plays out all the way out to things like you know three amigos is a parody of magnificent seven basically and bug's life is the kids movie version of the magnificent seven and,
0: and all they're the doing way down. they're
1: they're uh thinking about doing a star wars where there's like seven jedi or something like i've heard that, that that's going to be the next the, the unannounced star wars okay movie i'm in like I'm a seven in. samurai with jedi yeah. basically so sure
3: it's just it's i think that's part of what makes this such a great movie is the yeah i'm sure it was great in 1960 but but even now being able to look at what a huge impact and influence it has had on the industry is, is really cool too.
1: Definitely Richard.
2: Great. I would, uh, yeah, sorry. I would go, I, yeah, I'd give it a, I'd go a, a plus on this. I mean, there's really nothing mm-hmm. I can't, you know, it's, I, it could be that it's just so canon that I, it's hard for me to watch critically, but it's a great film and it, it helps up, holds up really well.
1: It does. And it's good to talk about this one. This might be the oldest movie we've talked about on the show, to be honest.
3: I think so, yeah. I think you're probably right.
1: That's a trend that needs to change, uh, and it it shall. We're going to be doing a lot more throwbacks coming up, so be on the lookout for those. And uh, it's always good to kind of preface a new movie with a a retrospective, if you will, of the old movie. So Mm -hmm. we set our sights to that movie. Um, But I will say, Brian... Um, I I have a movie to talk to you about in Weekly Recommends, okay. and uh, we will do that uh, right now. Weekly
0: recommends.
1: <clears throat> so before I give my recommends, um, Brian, I did finally see The Lobster.
3: And, oh, what'd you think? Uh,
1: I freaking loved it. Oh my god, wasn't gosh.
3: it good? Oh yeah, it was like the awesome. perfect.
1: Uh. Coen Brothers meets Paul Thomas mm-hmm. Anderson movie that I've ever seen. Hundred um, percent agrees. Yeah, it is. There's so many moments that I was just like, that were just so cinematically gorgeous, and like the plot is weird, but still mm-hmm. not distracting in a way. You know,
0: mm-hmm. um, kind yeah.
1: yeah, you kind of forget about it, and um, the performances are great. I mean, we're going to be hearing about them later. I I know we're going to be hearing about Colin Farrell later this year or definitely in the discussion but um, so much I wanted to talk about with it but my, yeah. my favorite scene is all mentioned because I don't want to go to the spoilers and who knows we'll talk about it maybe at length at some other point is when they're like training it's like the uh, the dance sequence at the very beginning where <laughs> they all get to the hotel and they're like in like a school dance scenario and that band is playing and that guy and girl are singing you know and yes. John C. Riley and Colin Farrell are like going to ask the girls to dance back and forth. You know, that whole sequence lasts probably ten minutes, and it is so good. Like it's the best moment of of <laughs> like uh, it's 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 like the best moments of the master like put into one scene. You know, and <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's just the environment they set is so good. The mood they set is so good, and you're like, man why are they having a dance? And then at the end of the scene, they turn all the lights on and it's like the middle of the day. And that was just like an 11 o'clock class or whatever <laughs> at this.
3: So it's, and it's just like, yeah.
1: what is going on? You know, like you think it's like this big gala that they're at, you know, kind of a thing. Oh, and But it ends up being like in the morning. It, it's just so j- jarring kind of how the universe they set and you never know what to expect. And oh my gosh, I was just like, that it was scenes like that was like that's this is why i i do what we do we do what we do here yeah, this is why i absolutely. watch movies was for scenes like that and i mean scene of the year for me in my yeah, opinion it's,
3: it's great it really is like if the coen brothers wrote a movie that pta directed yeah, yeah. and the entire theme was set in a west anderson world like it's just yeah, the yeah. most crazy plus Colin film Ferrell. sort of, yeah. Plus Colin Firth. And then plus, and then plus, you, uh, I know you love Colin Farrell as much as I do, and he is so good in it.
1: Plus, what's um, what's his name, Johnny Greenwood, doing the soundtrack too? <laughs> it right, was a very yeah. like Radiohead vibe to the sound, to the score too, which was awesome. Sure. So I mean, I loved it. It's in the good. top five Glad for me. Dug. It's in the top yeah. five for me of the year. So we'll see. Awesome. I, I, I did see that. So that's kind of a side recommend for me. Is the Lobster. Uh, that's that's one that you need to go rent if you're a movie lover, iTunes it or something, because mm-hmm. it's you're gonna want to watch it before the end of the year. Um, so my recommend is uh, it's a documentary. Um, this is on Hulu. Uh, Hulu is a service that's similar to Netflix, if you don't know. Um, but it is Ron Howard's Beatles doc called Eight Days a Week, and oh, nice. it, it premiered. Last week on Hulu, I think it's showing in some theaters, too. Uh, around, I know it's showing at the Texas Theater here in Dallas. And uh, it's showing other places around the country and overseas in theaters. But it's basically, Ron Howard did this documentary about the Beatles, but only during when they, while they were touring. So it's just all about the kind of Beatlemania in America and around the world. And it kind of goes chronologically throughout their history. But I mean, it's worth it, it's worthy of an episode on our show, I think. Sweet. It's, 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 there's that much like exclusive stuff that I've never seen before. And all the footage is like restored and everything, you know, like they got the original tapes on a lot of this stuff and put them up and upconverted them. I think they remastered an entire concert at the Hollywood Bowl. So there are several, I think there are probably five or six full songs in the documentary that are performed by the Beatles, like never-before-seen footage kind of thing. So it's awesome from that perspective, but, I mean, it's one of the best documentaries, music documentaries I've seen, honestly. And uh, thank you, Ron Howard. Like, just randomly did this kind of thing, you know, just side passion project kind of, ai am going to do this while I'm editing, you know, Heart of the Sea or whatever he was doing at the time. And uh, I thank him for it, because it's a must-watch for any Beatles lover, and you guys will love it. So, uh, It's free on Hulu, though. If you do have a subscription, it's on the service, and uh, you can watch it there. So check that out. Sign up for the free trial and do that. That's that's a recommend. So it's called 8 Days a Week uh, by Ron Howard. Uh, That's my recommend.
3: Brian? I'm going to recommend another podcast, which uh, I don't do (laughs) regularly, but... I don't feel like we're uh competing the, the with the Peter with Travers podcast. <laughs> the Peter Travers podcast. It's 10 minutes long and it is fantastic. Uh great insight. You everything on you need to know. Every movie you've ever wanted to, and, to know about. And people uh, will
1: criticize us for not going in depth enough. No, go,
3: go <laughs> Yeah. Ahead. Spoiler alert, he loves every movie. Every movie is great. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh it's the WTF podcast with Mark Marion. Uh this is a actually a Richard recommend to me he had ron perlman on last week or they just talked magnificent
1: seven for two and a half hours (laughs) just reminisced about the good old times
3: bunch of jerks uh (laughs) ron perlman on wtf and it was it was awesome Uh, i love ron perlman he's such an interesting guy he's got a book out which i'll probably never read just because i don't have time to read celebrity biographies but um to me he's just one of the more interesting people in hollywood because he just has you know, he just has that look like he's just a he's an interesting dude. You know, anybody who looks and sounds like Ron Perlman does, he has a he has a cool story. He's got an interesting story. He he told a lot of good bits on the podcast, talked about uh, talking about working with Marlon Brando is probably my favorite part. Um, but it's it's definitely worth listening. Obviously, with Mark Maron, you have to fight through um, quite a bit of Mark Maroning in addition to eight million F-bombs. So, you know. Take that into consideration before you listen if you're sensitive to such things. But it's a really good interview, and and he got to some cool places with with Perlman, and and uh, was a great guest. So check that out if you're so inclined.
1: Awesome, Richard.
2: Yeah, I'm going to recommend the only thing I've been watching lately. I've gone through a huge kick on this. This is a weird one, and it probably should not uh, require recommend. But the only thing I've uh, I've uh, been watching lately is Jeopardy. New season started on Monday. <laughs> Every night, fire off an episode. Been
1: great.
3: NAT, Alec Trebek, no doubt. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> Alex Trebek! Yeah, he's didn't he go out like in his underwear on April Fool's or something like that? Like literally in uh in like uh, yeah. whitey tidies or something like that. That is North American treasure all the way. That's <laughs> that's what we like to call hashtag sense of humor about oneself. <laughs> uh, on the show awesome Jeopardy is great have you seen sports Jeopardy Richard with Dan Patrick I have on, 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 on as Crackle. you know I,
0: I only watch Crackle so yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs>